November 30th, 2022. This morning's class and the classes throughout the week are donated in honor of Sarah Cohen, Stephen and Sophia Cohen, Albert and Marcel Shami, Gail Mishan, and in memory of Jack Mishan, Nathan and Marlene Cohen. We're in Masechet Sanhedrin and Pe'alef Amut Bet, if you count down in the wide lines, so that's just about uh, some lines from the top of the page, but in the wide lines, it's just three lines down, uh, the third word on the line, Mishelaka Veshana. If you recall, the Mishnah was talking about a circumstance which we'll continue discussing in the next Mishnah as well, of Machnisin Oto Kipa, a circumstance, a situation wherein a person Instead of being sentenced to death, per se, they're kind of destined by the Beit to an eventual death. It's not direct, it's B'derech Gerama, so they're placed in a confined area, closed in. The Gemara later on in our Amud will describe exactly, it's the height around of the person, and there's not much place to, eat, to move around in. They feed the person the uh, uh, appropriate foods to bring forth a quick demise and death. And that's what we're really dealing with. Under what circumstances would you do that? We know many cases in the Torah where you give the death penalty, when would you give this sort of eventual death, bringing them into that closed-off area and allowing for them to die or kind of leading them to that death in an indirect fashion? So the first of... We're dealing with a human being over here. Uh, you, you'll ask, uh, isn't it uh, too much tsar for the person? In fact, the, the Mishnah over here talks about and the next Mishnah will talk about giving minuscule, small amounts of food. What most of the Farshim suggest is by beginning with the small amounts of food and then continuing with the Se'orin, which is the way the Gemara understands it, it's as swift and as best as you could with regards to least uh, suffering and pain. Uh, is there no suffering and pain? There's always going to be a certain amount in death. Um, but anyway, that being the case, the Mishnah told us under what circumstances would this take place. So this Mishnah told us the following situation. Mishelaka, uh, v'hazar, or v'shana. Uh, the circumstance was a person who got lashes and then got sinned again and got lashes again. And then it appeared from our Mishnah as if, and then he just sinned without getting a third set of lashes. Of course, the Gemara questioned under what circumstances, because you sin three times, a sin that's liable to getting malkot, lashes, you're getting put to death, and albeit in an indirect fashion. And the Gemara, and that's what we read yesterday, that's what we learned yesterday, uh, suggested and explained the dealing with a situation, Bishimon ben Lakish, of karet. It's a person who was liable for death penalty, bidesh amayim. It's not that the court in this world, it's not that we're going to put him to death, but kivyachol HaKadosh Baruch Hu says this person's going to be cut off. The fact that they repeatedly transgressed the same sin made clear that they're giving their soul up and we are only uh, hastening the process for them. That was the Gemara until this point. Now, back to the Mishnah and the specific with regards to the sinning. So I said that the case is that he sinned and got lashes. He sinned and got lashes, and then the understanding again is that he sinned again, and without the lashes, you enter him into the kippah area. Same sin, that's what the Gemara told us at the end yesterday. Had to be the same thing, otherwise we say, say if it's not the same sin, we say the person isn't really giving his soul up. The person's just enjoying sins, he's getting a potpourri of different sins. The fact that he's repeatedly doing this one makes it clear to us this person's given up on life. 
Why? Again. He doesn't get lashes, he gets death instead. Uh, well, it's not even per se a mandated punishment of the Torah. Torah, uh, although Rashi tells us it's halakha Moshe Sinai, it's not explicit in Torah that he's getting such a thing. Now, but the Gemara will specifically be not disturbed, but wondering about this because elsewhere in the Gemara in Masechet Yevamot and Daf Samechtalet, the Gemara has recorded over there a mahloker between Bishimon ben Gamliel and Rabbi, Rabbi Shimon ben, Rabban Shimon ben Gamliel and Rabbi about the following two, but among many other circumstances, I'll tell you the two that they debate over there. Uh, the first is a mother has a baby and then there's a Mila and Lo Alenu, the child dies. Second baby, Mila and the child dies. Under those circumstances, after the first two deaths, which seem to have been caused by the milah, according to Rabbi, we will not give the third one a, a milah. We say that's a hazakah. It's set in place, and we're understanding that the milah caused the death. Rabban Shimon ben Gamliel says, absolutely not. Three, if it was just two, we say it's not set in stone yet that this is the reality with regards to this um, woman's children. And third, if it happened a third time, then we say no longer milah. Similarly, a case of what's called katlanit. If a man gets married to a woman, and this woman has married him for some time, and the man dies. And then she gets married to another man, but the same woman, and then that man dies. Uh, under those circumstances, says Rabbi, this woman can't get married any longer. Why not? We consider her katlanit. We consider her, we don't think that she's necessarily stabbing or poisoning him. Something about her nature, something about that relationship, somehow, in some fashion, is bringing forth death. Rabban Shimon Gamliel says it's not so. In order to establish hazakah, in order for us to establish with full knowledge with regards to halakha, it needs to be three times. If it was a third husband and he died, then we say the woman shouldn't be getting married any longer. Thank you, Musa. Uh, says the Gemara for us over here, well, let's pay attention again to the case in our Mishnah, the cases where the person sinned and got malkot. The person sinned and got malkot, even though there wasn't a third set of malkot, he sinned a third time, but there wasn't a third set of malkot, we're already establishing this person as a rasha to the extent that we're we're entering him into that confined area which is going to bring forth his death. Is our Mishnah not like Rabban Shimon ben Gamliel? Rabban Shimon ben Gamliel said in order to establish katlanit, in order to establish the baby whom we assume because of this mother is going to die, it needs to be three times. You would need three sets of lashes, is the assumption, and only after that we'd say, ah, oh, this guy is a, parent, is, a, is a constant sinner, and we're going to put him into, what's that? I, under, I understand, I understand, but the Gemara at this juncture, you know, you're ahead of me, Charlie, the Gemara at this point is suggesting that it's the Malkot, the lashes, which is going to establish the Hazakah. Of course, Charlie counters, he says, even according to Rabban Shimon Ben Gamliel, who mandates three times, there has been three sins, all right, so hold that point for just a moment. Says the Gemara, Mishelaka Vishana. Again, three lines down the wide lines, three words on, Mishelaka Vishana. Says the Gemara, Shana. He did this twice. He got Malkot, he got lashes. Afalgav, even though, Dela Shilesh. He didn't get lashes, he didn't get Malkot three times. Lema, should we therefore suggest, Matnitin, our Mishnah is, Dela Kiraban Shimon ben Gamliel. Would not accord with, doesn't follow the opinion of Rashbag, Di Rashbag, if it were to follow Rabban Shimon Megamliel Ha'amar, wasn't his statement again 
in Masechit Yevamot and Daf Samechdalid as a general concept with regards to establishing Hazaka in these sorts of human uh, circumstances. Ha'amar adat telat zimne lahavya Hazaka until there's three times repeated activities in whatever t- circumstance you're dealing with. It's not considered hazaka, right? He has uh, two of you, like Charlie, ahead of me. And the Gemara at this point assumes it's the malkot which will establish his rishout, which makes some sense as well. It does. I'll tell you why it does. Because the fact that he got lashes and still hasn't changed establishes him more than anything else as a person who doesn't care about his life. Keep in mind the whole logic over here of being machnisoto lekipah, putting him into that confined area. I understand, but the fact, okay, so if we go like Rabbi and we say he got lashes two times and it hasn't changed who he is, he clearly is just interested in living a shortened life. It means he sinned the third time, he said, I don't give him lashes any longer. The hazakai is that he's a rasha. His hazakai is that he's a rasha to the extent that he wants karet. He's living a life of karet. Of course, according to Rab- according to Rabban Shimon ben Gamliel, he'd need a four time. According to Rabbi, he needs three times. Our Mishnah is only telling us three. It told us he sinned and got lashes, sinned and got lashes, sinned again. Says the Gemara, Amar Ravina, all right, Jesse, all right, Charlie, he, Ravina has your back. Afilu Rashbag, even Rabban Shimon ben Gamliel can admit and would maintain our Mishnah. Our Mishnah is not, not only according to the opinion of Rabbi. Why so? Kasavar Averot Mahazikot. It's not the Malkot per se, which is going to establish the Hazaka of this person establishing himself. As a rasha, to the extent that he's not interested in life and will shorten that life, which he, to a certain extent, had shortened and wanted shortened already, but rather the sins in it of themselves are considered so. So, therefore, says the Gemara, according to Rabban Shimon ben Gamliel, you can understand our Mishnah as well. Our Mishnah might be going specifically according to Rashbag because you have three times sinning. Says the Gemara, I have a question from a Beraita. Beraita is going to be dealing with the same thing, but it's going to give us a few different opinions and we'll be able to tease out uh, whether Ravina's statement just a moment ago calls the Jesse and Charlie claim that the Averot could be Mahazikot, whether that will stand ground, whether that will hold water. If a person sinned in a way that he's Hayav Malkut, again, our Gemara earlier on the page told us quite clear from Bishimon ben Lakish that it needs to be a situation where it's a Hayuv Karet. Hametz bepesach three times, two times, whatever you're dealing with, uh, eating on Kippur, not, not doing one of the Inuyim and Kippur, eating Halev and so forth. It needs to be a karet situation for the Malkut. Okay, so he does it. Pa'am Rishona Ushiniya Malkinoto. First two times says the Beraita, he gets lashes. Shilishit, third time without Malkot, Konsinoto Lekipa. Right, that's directly in accordance with our Mishnah so far. Next opinion. Abasha Ulomer. This last opinion here in the Beraita, that of Abba Shaul, says, no, three times with Malkot, with lashes, and the fourth transgression of the same sort, at that point, you're machnisoto lekipah. Without any more lashes. He did three. Says the Gemara, Ravina, but he, here's the point though. Ravina, who claimed that our Mishnah could follow the opinion of Rashbag, he was maintaining that our Mishnah can be read as, 
Listen, even without the malkot, the fact that you sinned three times in the same way, that makes hazaka. I don't think you could hold that up with this beraita, says the Gemara necessarily, because you have one opinion who's maintaining four sins and the other opinion who's maintaining three sins. So what are we arguing about? My love, the kule alma malkiot mahazikot, it appears as if both Abba Shaul and the first opinion, we call it Tanakama or Hachamim in this beraita, are maintaining are of the opinion that you need malkot, you need the lashes in order to make hazaka. The first opinion then, ubiflukta dirbi kamifligeh. The first opinion follows the opinion of Rabbi. Rabbi's opinion is two times establishes hazaka, two lashes, third sin, Put him into the kippah. The second opinion, that of Abba Shaul, would be like Rabban Shimon ben Gamliel. It's lashes as well, but you need three times. It means when I circle back to my Mishnah, I say, our Mishnah, indeed, as we suggested earlier, it's a little funny. It's only according to the opinion of Rabbi. Rabbi was well aware of Rashbag. He seems to be telling us the halacha is like himself in this Mishnah. So says, the once I read this Mishnah as such, I therefore establish that we always assume, not like Jesse and, and Charlie and Ravina, right? We, we don't assume like you. We rather say the Malkot is what establishes the Hazaka. In turn, I circle back to my Mishnah and I say, if the Mishnah said two Malkot, like the first opinion in this Beraita, it's not like Rashbag. Everybody agrees we go Malkot establishes the Hazaka, not the sin. If that's the case, our Mishnah is telling us just two and not three. It says the Gemara, Lo de kule alma itlehu. Dirashbag says the Gemara, no, maybe this Beraita as well. Everyone, both opinions maintain like Rashbag. What do you mean they both made? That's right. Both opinions, Tanakama and the second opinion, maintain like Rashbag. How could they both hold like Rashbag? Rashbag's opinion is three times establishes Hazaka. Oh, this isn't too hard, though, says the Gemara. The Mahlokir is rather like this. The Morsavar Averot Mahazikot, Morsavar Malkiot Mahazikot. That issue. The Charlie Jesse versus the Gemara issue is, uh, you know, versus the initial assumption in the Gemara is the issue in this Beraita. The first opinion in the Beraita says you need three times in order to establish Hazakah, like Rashbag. About three times of what? Three times of sin, chalas. He sinned first time, lashes. Sin second time, malkot. Sin third time, kippah. Three times, establishment. Because sin, the averot mahazikot, as you were claiming. A second opinion, that of Abba Shaul, also holds like Rabban Shimon. If you also hold like Rabban Shimon ben Gamliel, three times in Chalat, no, three times of Malkot. First time, Malkot. Second time, Malkot. Third time, Malkot. You sinned again, Machnisin Oto the Kippah. You won't get Malkot within the third sin. What's that? You won't get Malkot within the third sin already. If you hold, what, what are you talking about? If you hold Averot Mahazikot as you want, so then you don't get Malkot the third time, Abba Shaul. If you hold Malkuyot Mahazikot, that the lashes give you the, the, the Hazaka, you get it a third time. The only time a Machniso to the Kippah is on time four. That's how the Gemara is suggesting Abba Shaul's interpretation. In, we're interpreting Abba Shaul, who maintains like Rashbad, he just holds in this context, it's going to be the Malkiot, which are Mahazikot. Correct. Our Mishnah then would be going like Rabban Shimon ben Gamliel and maintaining Averot Mahazikot. Sin, lashes, sin. Absolutely. 
Abashol's in the Beraita is from one of the Tanaim. He disagrees with Hamishnah. There's no question he disagrees with Hamishnah. Right. Uh, so he says four times. Says the Gemara, okay, so we dealt with Ravina. We understand the opinion of Jesse and Charlie. Our Mishnah does need not be only according to the B, it can even be according to Rashbag. Says the Gemara, I just have another Beraita which is not dependent upon this issue per se, whether Avirot Mahazikot, Makiot Mahazikot. That's not our issue any longer. I just don't know how to explain this Beraita. Everything we discussed, everything we consider, I don't know how to explain these words in the Beraita because this Beraita is going to be out there to the extent that I can't, I can't pinpoint an explanation. What about the following Beraita? If there was a warning, the person's about to sin in a fashion that he'd be hayav karet. He gets a warning, vishatak, and he's just quiet. Now you might recall the, the Gemara and Daf Mim taught us that with regards to hatra'a warning, just a warning is insufficient. Just a warning by explaining what the sin is and what the punishment is still insufficient. It needs to be that the person, we would doresh this from a pasuk, accepts it. He acknowledges it and he's matir the words of the Gemara. He gives his life up for death. He says, I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm getting. And nonetheless, again, as we've mentioned, as Tosafot points out in one or two places, only a person really deranged is going to actually commit under those circumstances this sin. And then you're going to have to check them out. There might be a shoteh who isn't liable for death penalty. You're going to be far from it. It's probably a lustful person, a person who really hates, a person who really wants to. But, but regardless, that's the halakha. So here's the circumstance. A person is about to sin, and he trubo, shatak, he's quiet. Alternatively, he trubo v'hirchin rosho. He knocks his, he nods his head or he puts it. We look at him and we'll, he's, it's an acknowledgement, but it's not a verbal acknowledgement. It's not an afapike. So it's not sufficient to actually give him lashes. At the same time as the Gemara is implying, as Rashi makes clear, we look at him and we say, this person, halachically speaking, not just the way that people will talk, he's a rasha. He's a rasha. This person knows what he did and did it anyway. Uh, technically speaking, loopholes, uh, as, as Jeffrey would say, uh, the guy's out, uh, out of, uh, of getting lashes. But he's a rasha. We've established him as a rasha. All right, let's read it again. He veshatak. He matrin First two times he gave him the warning. Shilishit on the third occasion, konsinoto lekipa. Amazing. Third time you gave him that warning again, he kept quiet. He never got lashes. He didn't even get lashes. That's right. Abasha He sinned twice. He sinned twice. He sinned three times. You haven't. We can't give him. What's that? The Gemara made a derasha and dafmin that the only way in which you're going to be liable for punishment is if you accept the warning. Even That's what I was mentioning from Tosafot. You have to be very lustful or vengeful in order to actually. You have to say, I hate this person to the extent that I'll take myself down with it. Or I need that woman so badly, or whatever. You know. That's right. That's right. And again, then we check them out and see if they're, right. if they're out of their mind. Anyway, says the Gemara, says the Beraita over here, Abba Shaul Omer, Afa Shilishit Matrinbo, Bareveit Konsinoto Lekipa. Says Abba Shaul over here in this Beraita version, third time as well, warning, can't do anything to him. Fourth time, same sin, same type of warning. 
How do you explain the opinion of Abba Shaul? We have no opinion in Masechet Yevamot and Daf Semech Dalet that says you need four times for Hazakah. It's two or three, Rabbi or Rashbag. Now, we've been toying with and understanding the opinion of Rashbag and saying, is it the lashes? Is it the sin? Over here, there is no lashes. There's only a warning. You can't give lashes, can't give malkot because he never accepted the hatra'ah. So you gave him the warning, Rasha. Can't. Four times. Watch with four times. He needs to sin four times. You can't say it's because we needed three malkot. You didn't give him malkot. But because you didn't give him malkot, says the Gemara. All right, all right. Says the Gemara. Malkot leka. There is no malkot. So that's what the Gemara is, is bothered by. Says the Gemara, Bemaika miflege. So what are they disagreeing about? Rashbag and Chachamim and the Spiraita. Amar Ravina, Bekipa Sericha Hatra'a Kamiflege. And it says Ravina, it's, it's a hard to swallow explanation, but I'll try to break it down for you. Al Pirashi. It goes like this Bekipa Sericha Hatra'a Kamiflege. The question is, does the person who's about to be entered into this kippah, this area where he's ultimately speaking going to die, does he need a specific and separate warning that he will be entered into there? Keep in mind, the first three times he's getting a warning, don't do this, this is uh, pro- prohibited, it's liable to lashes. He hears it, he's not, he puts his head down and does it anyway. Second time, uh, don't eat hametz. Ah, he puts his head down and he does it anyway. Third time, he hasn't gotten a warning about what's ultimately speaking going to happen. So the opinion of Abba Shaul suggests the Gemara, now suggests Ravina, is that the first three times are necessary for everyone. The first three times you need a warning to establish him as, halachically speaking, rasha. He's a rasha. However, he's not a rasha to the extent that he could be machniso tolekipah until he has a fourth warning. What's the fourth warning? The fourth warning is, if you do this again, now that we established you as a rasha, we're going to be machniso to kippah. That's Abba Shaul's opinion. You might ask, Tosafot on Aleph Amud Aleph at the bottom asks, so why didn't you just have two times? It's not, apparently. According to Abba Shaul, you need a separate warning that kippah. It's not the same thing. I said you're going to get lashes and you put your head down. Okay, but you know you're being a wicked, rotten person. You know you're not even going to get the life. You don't know you're going to actually die. That you need a separate one. But why don't you say the first two hatra'ah of Malkot, and then the third time say, by the way, you're not only going to get Malkot for this, you're going to get Kippah as well. This is the question of Tosafot. Tosafot suggests Kippah, it would not be sufficient. You need a specific, you need the person to establish himself. It's at the very bottom. You need the person to establish himself as a Rasha. How does he get a Rasha? By just accepting a regular Hatra'ah. Regular Hatra'ah, regular Hatra'ah, regular Hatra'ah. He did it three times, we established you as Rasha. Now, again, that's why I say it's hard to swallow here because the Sevara and this is difficult. Now, time for that's the only time we could get you into the kippah, according to Abba Shaul, with a separate and specific and clear hatra'ah warning that you're going to get kippah. All right, that's what we have here then in the Gemara. That's with regards to laka v'shana in our Mishnah. Says the Gemara, all right, we've been talking about this kippah business. Again, as I warned you from the beginning, don't confuse it with what we wear on our heads. And we're dealing with this confined area. Where'd you come up with such a concept? Who told you this? Something called kippah. I read the Torah more than once. I'm, you know, many years of my life listening to the Torah on Shabbat. Where'd you come up with such a thing? And, and moreover, what does kippah look like? What is it? What's it like? So it's Gemara Umay kippah. First and foremost, what is kippah? Amar of Yehuda, melokomato. Now Yehuda says it's the height, this confined area, of a human being. 
That's apparent. That's just the height. Harambam adds, even though the Gemara doesn't say this explicitly over here, and it's very small. It's to the extent of the Gemara. When it says it's the height, it means, and you can't lie down in there. It's not just walls of that height, but you have to stand. You're standing the whole time. You're not going to be able to sleep well. It's going to really quickly deteriorate your health status. Where do you have a remez, some hint in the Torah to this concept of kippah? As I told you at the beginning of this whole sugiah yesterday, Rashi on this line, and what is it? The Third, the third wide line of Rashi makes clear halachal Moshe Misinai says Rashi this concept of kippah is not just out of thin air it's not even as Hidushe Haran suggested as Rivash might even accept it's not even or, or others not even considered a takana or a gizirad rabbanan which brings forth the demise of a person we wouldn't go that far it's halachal Moshe Misinai we have tradition all the way to Sinai for this but is there some sort of remez in the pesukim do you need a remez for halachal Moshe Misinai now the answer is no, right? Halachal Moshe Misinai is tradition, and that in and of itself is sufficient. You'll find from time to time the Gemara will say, okay, we have tradition. Is there somewhere you could point to in the Torah for even this tradition, which has the status and validity of a halacha from the Torah, the beginning of Masechet Sukkah, is the most noteworthy one, at least in my mind. The Gemara over there makes a dirashah for the different shi'urim, the different measurements, Eretz Chitao, Se'orah, the Gefen, and so forth. And the Gemara says each one of these is a measurement with regards to food foods we eat, uh, 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 sizes of items you can't touch for tumah and so forth. Says the Gemara, what's going on over here? Pasuk for this? Shi'urim are halachal, hilchitaninu, the halachal Moshe Misinai, says the Gemara. Even though it's halachal Moshe Misinai, we're finding a remez. The Torah, in the eyes of the hachamim, in the eyes of our tradition, is so perfect and so uh, so so uh, spectacular to the extent that the traditions which are, ne- which are not explicit will be somehow implicit. The Torah has that much potential that you'll find implicit messages, even when it's not explicitly telling you. So that's the type of question the Gemara says, asks over here. Okay, it's you don't need a pasuk to imply this. You just want to show the beauty of the Torah where you'll be able to point and say, you know, it's all maybe implied in that. Amarish Lakish says, Resh Lakish, it's not even a pasuk in the Torah, it's a pasuk in Tehilim. Timotet Rasha Ra'a. Rashi's interpretation of this goes like this, Timotet milashon mita, to put to death. Rasha means a wicked person. Ra'a means his wrongdoing. So it goes like this, through his wrongdoing, he brings forth his death. So it's a reference in the Pasuk, not a direct, we put you to death, but rather you're doing such wrong activity. I'm not putting you to death per se, because the wrong activity is the severity of sekila However, you're rasha. You're established by repetition of this as a rasha. You're bringing forth your own death. Lakish says Resh Lakish, and this is somewhat disjointed. Says Resh Lakish, while I'm at Dirashot, let me or let the Gemara tell you another Dirasha of Resh Lakish from a Pasuk in Kohelet. Kigam lo yedaha adam et ito kadagim shene ehazim bim soda ra'a. The description is human beings sometimes are unaware of their et, their, their time of death, the time of their downfall, similar to fish who get entangled, who get caught up in a misoda, means some sort of trap, ra'a, some bad one. What does that mean? What's a bad trap? My misoda ra'a, maresh lakish, haka. Says resh lakish, it's haka. 
If you spoke Resh Lakish's language, maybe that would help you. What's a haka? So Rashi says, I'll tell it to you in Old French. Fantastic. Amu bilaz. What does that mean? So Rashi tells us a little bit further. Shehura vehalash vekatan. It's some sort of needle-like, Yad Ramah points out as well, needle-like, almost hook-like item, but it's not strong. It's not a strong item which is trapping. And when you imagine catching a large fish which has strength, you imagine putting a strong net in or some sort of iron item in order to grab it out. Over here, you're not spearing it, you're not catching in such a fashion. You have a small little needle-like item and that could even take down big giant fish. That's the description of Rashi. Yad Ramah does it a little similarly, maybe a little bit more relevant to our sugya. Yad Ramah says, even though it's small, even though it's going into a large item, it's a painful death because it's pointy. It kind of daggers them in their mouth or in their body in some respect. What's the idea in the Pasuk in Kohelet? In turn, what's, you know, to a certain extent, the, the sobering message of the Pasuk that Resh Lakish is bringing forth? Uh, oftentimes people in their times of downfall uh, don't realize that it could be something so small that can take them down. You're person who's worked on yourself for so long, I'm, I'm extending it beyond the Pasuk. The pasuk is talking about death. I'm talking about it in the context of our, of our transgressions. You could be a person who's worked on yourself for so long, a person who's worked to guard themselves from falling, in, falling prey to whatever it is that is your challenge, and then it takes a small little needle in your life, in your existence, in the temptation, in the something that came your way. Uh, that's your downfall. That's the description over here. It could be a misodara'a. It could be this small item but has the potency of something giant and spectacular, unexpected by the person who's encountering it. It's a, it's a call of caution to each of us with regards to our avodat Hashem, with regards to our ways through life. All right, that being the case, the next Mishnah brings us further. What's that? According to Rashi, it has nothing to do with kippah. It's just another derashah of Resh Lakish. According to Yad Ramah, I'm happy to raise this. According to Yad Ramah, Rabbi Meir Abu Lafia, one of the Rishonim uh, on the Gemara, his suggestion is it's similar to kippah because it's a description of a death which is painful to a certain extent. It's small, it's confined, it's a little thing. It punctures you and it brings forth your death. So in that respect, it's similar. Otherwise, just the derasha of Resh Lakish. Resh Lakish learned Sefer Kohelet, something rare in today's day and age, and this was his interpretation. Nothing more and nothing less. The Gemara just has it over here. According to Rashi, has another derasha. What's that? From Kippah. Someone asked me that yesterday. I'm not sure. I, I think the answer has to be yes. I don't think there's anything called a mitah, even al yedebetin, without kapara. I can't imagine there is. The Gemara, too, if you recall, earlier in our Masechet, to the extent made clear, we won't put to death if the person doesn't do vidui. We'll force them into vidui. I can't imagine that, that Kippah is going to be any different, but I don't know. We have to check Haram Bab and Perik Dal Maybe. What's that? I know it's not direct. That's that's why I'm that's why I'm not 100 percent sure. But I, I can't imagine any differently. You know, I'm, I'm not 100 percent sure because it's not a mitat beitin, so it's not the same as over there. At the same time, what are we doing? I mean, it's not our job to put people to death. It's our job to to make certain that people have you know. It's so funny. The death so that's what Nathan was asking earlier. According to th this next Mishnah, will describe the malnutrition or the nutrition you give to the person initially, 
and, and it'll link together with our past Mishnah. Our past Mishnah said, you give them barley. This Mishnah is going to say you give them small amounts of bread and small amounts of water. The Gemara is going to suggest you start them off with small amounts of bread, small amounts of water. You kind of close in their intestines and organs and digest it, and then you kind of blast it out. So the description of some of the many, maybe the standard mefarshim to the Gemara is, that is, ironically, the swiftest way to kill them. You know, a person can live how long? Three, four, five days. We focus on Mikada. They can't last overnight with disease. It has to be indirect. What you you you'd rather this? I mean, I, I I'm making this up. I, I imagine you'd rather this be. We shot an arrow and there was a shield and we moved the shield. This way, it's big grama in a less. Yeah. All right. Again, halachal Moshe Misinai. I don't know. I, I, I wish I I wish I had a better interpretation. I can at the very least establish in the eyes of the of, of the hachmeha mifarshim to the Gemara. This is less painful than starving to death. And I can furthermore tell you it's a tradition. It's halachal Moshe Misinai. Says the Mishnah here: Ha'horeg nefesh shelo be'edim. What if a person kills without witnesses? In other words, he's a murderer, but there are no witnesses uh, to testify. Of course, the Gemara will wonder, if that's the case, how do we have a continued conversation of it? There were no witnesses, so you're not doing anything. How do you know he was the murderer? All right, we'll deal, we'll deal with that in the Gemara. So says the Gemara, Yeah, similar action, you bring him into the Kippah. Small amounts of bread. And again, a minuscule amount of water. And uh, this is, uh, as I mentioned, to you, and this would be made clear in the Gemara. This is in tandem with the last Mishnah. But the first question of the Gemara is quite simple. How do we know that he was a murderer if we don't have witnesses? Before I go onward in that, Harambam and Perek Dalit makes clear, as do others, but Harambam, the most, or perhaps the earliest and most explicit, the Mishnah is only talking about Ha'horeg Nefesh. The Mishnah is not talking about anyone who's Hayav Mitah. So we're not talking about he was Mechalel Shabbat and we found out about it, but there were no witnesses. Then such a person's circumstance, you're not Machnisin Otole Kippah. Explains Harambam, this is Ben Adam L'Chavero. If you murdered another person, Lo Aleinu, in such a circumstance, Ben Adam L'Chavero, we need to get you off the streets. We need to get you out of society. Any other circumstance, there was no witnesses, we can't put it through in Betin, we don't be Machnisin Otole Kippah, we don't handle it in such a fashion. It's specifically and only a murder. But anyway, says the so how do we know that he was a horeg nefesh if there were no idim? Several answers in the Gemara. First answer, Amar Rav be'edut miyuhedet. I know I turn to you every time, Jesse. This time I'll turn to Abi. Masechim makot and davav edut miyuhedet refers to the following situation. There are two witnesses, but they're not together, and they don't even see one another. So there's one on one side of Avenue U and the other one on the other side of Avenue U and there's something obscuring their vision from one another. They can't see one another, but they both saw the act. They both saw the murder. What's the halakha in such a circumstance? So that's what you call edut miyuhedet. Each one of them is separate, is, 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 is separate from the other. They can't combine to testify together, but they both saw it at the same time in the same way, but they weren't together. The halakha is bidine monot. If it was a stealing, if it was a... a, a, a a financial deal in such a circumstance, edut miyuchedet is kasher. When it comes to dinen nefashot, gezerat hakatuv, the Gemara zederasha over there, it's not kosher edut miyuchedet. So, technically speaking, we know this is true. We know he's a 
the murderer. But technicalities in court. I do to be your head. You can't put him to death. What are we going to do in such a circumstance? Machnisino tolikipa tells us in the Mishnah. Second explanation in the Gemara. Shmuel Amar Shelo Behatra'ah. It says it's not so much a problem with regards to the actual testimony and witnesses. It has to do with the witnesses and how they issued a warning and whether he accepted the warning or not. So the, what, what is pointed out is they gave him a warning. We know that he's aware of what he's doing. He just never accepted it. He wasn't matir atzmolimita. What do you do in such a circumstance? Machnisino tolikipa as well. The person knew well, very well what they were doing. They nonetheless did it. However, technically speaking, because the hatra'a wasn't fully completed, you you can't put him to death in the regular, direct fashion. What's that? Say Same thing. Same thing. So this is if you recall, some time ago we learned about the difference between bidikot and hakirot. These were the ways they would check the witnesses. Hakirot are the fundamental questions. The who, the what, the where. Those are the fundamental questions. If there's a hakhasha, there are two witnesses who walk in, they say, we saw a murder. And we turn to them and say, who was it? And they both say something, and each of them says something different. It's like, where was it? They say something different, we throw out the testimony. What about bidikot? Bidikot is beyond that. Bidikot is what color was his shirt? Bidikot is what color was the dirt around there? Those sorts of questions are, are minute. And they're not necessary with regards to uh, establishing the veracity, the truthful of the case. What's the halacha in Dine Mamonot? There was a financial deal. Uh, I was testifying about someone stole or someone loaned or someone bought, whatever the circumstances. And we asked them, for example, what color was his shirt? One witness says blue and the other one says black. Doesn't matter. We accept it. They know who, they know what, they know where. That's sufficient. That's what's called bidikot. What about in the nenefashot? What about in a situation where they're testifying someone's liable to death penalty and we check the witnesses not only who, what, where, rather we ask them as well, what color was his shirt? And now there's itkahush. Hakasha means there's a discrepancy. What's the halakha in such a circumstance? Happens to be a mahlok, but the opinion of Ben, Zak- ben Zakai, whom we saw earlier in our masechet, on daftet, on dafmem, and the Gemara over there told us about Ben Zakai, his opinion was there was a case where there was some sort of wrong deed and it was underneath, maybe a murder, it was underneath it was underneath a fig tree. He asked them not only what tree it was under, not only, he asked them about the the sharp edge on the bottom, was it fat or was it narrow? And they didn't have the same answer. One said fat, a bottom of the figs on that tree, and the other one said narrow edge of the figs on that tree, and he threw them out. He didn't accept them. In such a circumstance, if we're to follow the opinion of Ben Zakai, that hakhasha, even in bidikot, even in the minutia, the minute specific details, is sufficient to throw out the case. You can't put him to death. Oh, oh, come on. This guy's a murderer. We know he's a murderer. What it means then in our Gemara, in our Mishnah, where he did it, he's a murderer, and we're full sure that he's a murderer. However, in one of three circumstances, and Harambam reads them not as being mahloke, but as adding one to the other, one of three circumstances, call it the technical loophole situations, even though we can't actually put him to death, based on that, we'll put him to death, big in an indirect way, 